Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. We're coming to you through the leader in paranormal and alternative science programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring one and all. The topic of God or gods cannot be separated from that of perceptual reality, nor that of management of power. We take for granted that reality consists of what we can perceive through the limitations of our five senses. Anything beyond our perceptions is considered occult, spiritual, ethereal, magical, or just plain bunk, depending on the point of view. Perception is subject to interpretation. Because all the information coming in through our five senses is translated mentally, 
our perceptions are limited by the linear function of the mind. Every mind has its own filters based upon the experience, cultural influence, programming, and conditioning of the individual. The result? No two perceptions are exactly the same. By its very nature, power is invisible. For the most part, we can see the effects of power, but not the power itself. Much of our personal power comes from the invisible realm of spirit. A certain amount of skill and finesse is required in the use of power. In order to be effective, we don't just blast a situation with raw power. We use appropriate divination of power to affect the desired outcome by nudging things in the direction we want them to go. In order to effectively wield power, we need to perfect the art of differentiation. In other words, we must determine which aspect of true, pure power is appropriate. Do we need a gentle touch, a piercing one, a unifying one, the sword of truth? Power is magnified exponentially by group agreement. With no two perceptions being the same, this can be problematic. So what does all of this have to do with the topic of God? If we consider the one God to be all power in all things, it's not linear, and therefore hard to encompass with the mind. It's also not user-friendly in our day-to-day physical world, as we need specific divinations of power to apply to the situations that we wish to shift or impact. While the totality of all things may be represented by one God, gods and goddesses are metaphors formed by humans over millennia to use to focus and differentiate power. By holding a deity in our consciousness and performing ritual, we can wield the particular divination of power represented by the deity into our daily lives. The gods also provide a point of agreement among variant individuals. We can access and wield the power of group agreement through the use of an agreed-upon god as an intermediary. This deity would represent the appropriate divination of power for the task at hand. That is to say, or is that to say, the gods of the old are fictitious? No, group agreement may have created them, but they're very real. As long as there are stories to be told and people to tell them, these deities are alive and functional. They're simply divinations of the one god, or totality, channeled through ritual and group agreement. By using ritual and agreed-upon deity to channel group agreement, we can access and wield specific spiritual powers onto the physical plane. This is called magic. It's also the fuel behind manifestation. Did we then create God? Not if God is one and all. What we did and do create are the metaphors of gods and goddesses as focal points in order to channel and prism the power of the universe into our physical world. Our guest is Sarah Brandy Williams is the author of numerous books, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy centers her work on the insight gained through love, the radical love of our embodied selves, loves for our partners and community, and the love of the gods, which is the gateway into the world of spirit. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Brandy, and together we'll contemplate love and the one and all. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How? 
How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Wars have been waged and multitudes died over the definition of God. Is there one God or many? Did God create us or do we create our gods? In this episode, we'll explore love, devotion, the practice of theurgy, and rituals performed in order to connect with the gods. With us this hour to explore the topic is Brandy Williams, author of numerous books on magic, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy's website is brandywilliams.org. Brandy, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really looking forward to this. I am too. We should have fun. Well, let's start out by the definition of theurgy. Theurgy is a word describing the philosophical rituals that were created in the city of Alexandria a couple of thousand years ago. And so theurgy is both how you think about the gods, how you contemplate them, and it's how you approach them, how you do rituals in order to connect with the gods. It's a very old tradition, but it's living in the practices that we have today. It's living in witchcraft and in ceremonial magic and in people who just approach magic through theurgy itself. So did it originate in Alexandria? It originated, really, its roots go to Egypt, to Kemet, and to India. The Greek philosophers studied in Egypt and in India and then brought the, what they learned to Greece, to, to Athens. Um, and so Plato was really the, the founder of the philosophical tradition, and we've all probably heard of him in school. But uh, the, the philosophers in Alexandria, uh, about a thousand years after, after Plato lived, they, they were in Egypt in a place where a lot of cultures came together. So people came from all over the world to trade information. And this was where the Neoplatonic philosophy really solidified. People brought together Greek and Egyptian and Indian elements to create this idea, a unified idea of how the gods work and then how to approach the gods. So there's gods and goddesses in just about every culture, isn't there? There are. And, um, 
the interesting thing about this tradition is that it comes from an urban environment, very much like the environment that we live in today. We're familiar with gods and goddesses from all over the world, and so were the Neoplatonic philosophers. They they knew their own Greek deities, they knew the Egyptian deities, but they also traveled and they would they would um, interact with deities in other places and begin to to work the rituals with them. So I think one of the things I love about this tradition is that it is so inclusive. You can take almost any deity and bring it into the system and understand how to work with that deity based on these techniques. Um, Brandy, would you mind slowing down your speech just a little? I don't want to miss any of what you're saying. Sure. Thank you. So how does a modern-day practice deviate from the original ones? We, we separated from the ancient practice uh, primarily through the separation of the philosophy and the ritual. So the philosophy has continued from the ancient time to the present, and it was passed down in a, in a textual, in a literate tradition. But the, the suppression of pagan religion caused the suppression of the ritual practices, and they kind of got separated out. They did get passed down through some texts that um, passed through the Islamic world and back into Europe. And so the main difference between the ancient tradition and the modern one is that the ancients had this sort of unified understanding of how to do the philosophy and the ritual together. And we're bringing those things back together in the modern world. We have the philosophical texts, and we're also taking the rituals that survived and putting them back together to recreate the full understanding of how theurgy works. So what is the difference between theurgy and the one God concept that we see so much of today? That is such an interesting question and something that the philosophers explored in the past, the ancients, and something that we're exploring now. So you can definitely see the idea of one God called the one in ancient literature, but also the idea that there are many gods. And maybe it's the collection of the many gods that make up the one. So you can look at it that way. And we think about this in the same way today. Practitioners of magic and of these religious traditions think about one deity, or they think about two deities, a god and goddess, or they think about many deities together. And theurgy accommodates all of these understandings. So it's kind of like white light coming in through a prism and going out in different colors. It's still the same light. I really loved that, and I loved the introduction that you had, and it was very beautiful how you explained the one can be then understood through many different, many different lights, many different um, ways of, of looking at the one. And I think that's really great. And um, what the theurgists did, what the philosophers did, was to take the 12 Olympian deities and kind of use them as a categorization system to understand the different powers of the universe, and then how each of those different powers helps you to approach the understanding of the whole, if that makes sense. It does, like the different faces of God. Yep. <laughs> what part does ritual have to play in theurgy? Ritual helps us to focus our minds and to connect with the specific power. Uh, you've, you've talked about how you, you gain access to the one through focusing on one of those aspects. And that's exactly what ritual does. We focus our ritual efforts on one of those deities, and then it helps us to, to gain access to the, the power of the whole. The rituals themselves start with basic folk rituals. The philosophers were all devout people who went to temples and made offerings and had altars at home. And so do contemporary theurgists. We have altars at home and we make offerings to specific deities. And then the rituals move on to contemplation of how the deity works in our lives, into invoking deity into ourselves, and um, into rising so that we enter into the world of the gods. So that's what theurgy brings in particular. It layers on top of the folk ritual and gets to this philosophical understanding of how we connect to the gods as, as universal forces. So is theurgy considered a magical tradition? And if so, why? Well, that's a really good question. It is considered a magical tradition, in, especially in uh, contemporary Western academics. It is specifically sort of separated from the idea of straight philosophy or mysticism, where you contemplate the divine, but you don't do a ritual action. What makes theurgy magic is the ritual actions themselves. 
So the ritual directs the magic? Is that what we're looking at? It does, yes. Um, the ritual connects you to the energy of the deity, and it's founded on the understanding of the attributes of the deity. So each deity has um, things in the world that, that contain the power of the deity, specific stones and plants and colors, and you bring all of those together and make a hymn to the deity in order to connect that power. So there's a physical component, and then there's a spiritual component on top of it. So the hymn as in music? Um, it's, they're called hymns, the, they're uh, Orphic hymns. They did have music uh, to them when they were written, and you can sing them. Right now we, we have them as te um, texts, so you can find them online. They're uh, Orphic hymns to the Olympian deities, and we use those. If you're working with the Greek deities, we use those to, to invoke the specific power. But if you're working with other deity systems, almost every deity has some textual tradition, some poems or devotional literature, and you can always use those for what specific deity you're working with. So it sounds like um, it requires a lot of study. Why would one want to go to all, all the trouble of practicing theurgy in the modern world? It does require some study. Um, I think that in the modern world, we are all learning these new ways, um, and some of them are, are ancient understandings that we're bringing into the modern world. So any kind of, of religious or spiritual tradition requires some learning and contemplation. Um, in this case, the 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 philosophy that underlies theurgy is also the philosophy that shapes how we understand the world. It shapes the Western worldview. So it's very rewarding to, to learn because you can learn how we've come to think as we do and then how we can change that to, to make change in the world. Decide where we're going by looking at where we've been? Yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> what would you say is the single, uh, single largest misconception about theurgy? Well, that's um, that's a very good question too. Um, I think that the one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's only for certain kinds of people. It's only for European people, or only for men, or only for white people. This is a tradition that was created by people of all faiths, all colors, all genders, and it's a very inclusive tradition. So I like to encourage people who may be put off by the idea of philosophy or the idea of the Greek gods to take a second look at it and to understand its origins and the fact that we can then um, pull on that to, to make our, our practices today. So it's welcoming to everyone, and I, I love to welcome new people into the tradition. You know, it's kind of fallen by the wayside over the years. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the point of bringing it back now? There is a deep need among people to connect with our past. One of the uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do with the book was to cre to, to create a sense of connection with the teachers of the past. So that's one really important thing. the The book is called "The History and Modern Practice of Theurgy: Our Pagan Inheritance," and it's that sense, that longing uh, to have a culture to which we belong, that that frames our understanding. That's one of the things. It drives us, um, and then, uh, and and um, I, I kind of went deep into that. And can you repeat the question, Gulda? Because I think I had a second thought. That's okay. I was asking, seeing how it's kind of fallen fallen into antiquity. Why is it important? Mm -hmm. Why do you see it as important to bring it bring it about now? Resurrect it now. Yeah, thank you so much. So it was partly the pagan inheritance and partly because there is also a sense that we want to go deeper into rituals. So I talked about how theurgy rests on this folk magic base. And there are a lot of people who are doing reconstructions of different kinds of folk magics. And those are really important and really meaningful to, to all those of us who engage in them. But we also have this sense that the great religious traditions have a vast theology, have a deep understanding of how their systems work. And this is what theurgy brings to us in the modern world. It connects us to those great philosophers of the past, and it gives us a very broad and deep way to explore this specific kind of religious understanding. Do you think, I've got half a minute here, do you think that you have to give up your, your current religion in order to embrace theurgy? 
I think that theurgy can layer on top of any any religion that you can um, yourself practice, because as you said, all all paths to spirit really lead to to the same place. So um, you can uh, hold your traditions and add this as an adjunct. That's right, and I think that's how most people actually practice today. We have other religious traditions, and we add theurgy to them. Well, after a commercial break that we're about to go into, I'd really like to look into more what's the difference between the gods and the goddesses of theurgy and the one God, and how um, this can serve us today, or does it serve us today? Brandy and I will read to turn to our discussion on the flip side, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world. www.thescienceofmagic.net Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What we cover is what? For in-depth exploration, leading-edge subjects from numerous authorities and viewpoints, join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Our guest this hour is Brandy Williams, author of numerous books on magic, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy... I, I hope you can clear something up for me here. It seems like every culture, um, historically, has had, had their own collection of gods and goddesses. Uh, the Native Americans, say, for instance, have you know the, the gods of the directions, the gods of the elements, the, and, and various ones, stars, it goes on and on. How come they're all different from culture to culture? Is it more regional? You had a really good explanation. Actually, I think in the introduction to this show, you talked about how the God is really the totality of everything. It's the one. But each of us has a different cultural understanding. We have different uh, places we've lived, different experiences we've had. And so we create our understanding of that one through specific prisms. And those are um, those are shaped by our our bodies, our gender, our, our physical experience. They're shaped by our language and how language patterns how we think. Um, they're shaped, as you said, regionally by weather patterns and by the way that our um, our landscapes look. So all of those things go into shaping the specific ways we can look at deity that give us that sense of personal connection because it's really difficult to connect to something called the one that's the universe. We need to have something that's a little more personal that lets us connect to it. So I think that's that's one way to describe how each of us has come to this set of, of deities, set of ideas, um, kami, saints, however you however you um, envision it, that then let us get to the idea of the overarching underlying spirit that unifies everything. So are you saying that the gods and goddesses of old are mental constructs to help us understand totality? And that's one way that you can look at it, and one way I think that people look at it today. We're very much a psychological culture. We think in terms of how our minds create things. But I think it's also important to understand that we're talking about real cosmic forces, that it's not just a construct. We're not just inventing this reality. We're also tapping into a force that's behind it, that has has real power, um, and may manifest itself in unexpected ways. I think the world's cultures have stories about ways in which deity, divinity, spirit has manifested in someone's life in a way they didn't expect that then completely transforms it. So both things are true. We create our own constructs, but there's also something real behind that that we're connecting up with. So what's the science behind this concept? Science is an interesting way to look at it. When you said science is magic, one of the things I thought is that I'm a, I, I have many traditions. I'm a witch, I'm a ceremonial magician, and I'm a thelemite, um, 
And one of the things I am as a Thelemite is what we call a scientific illuminist. We understand that we've inherited things from the past. We have symbols that are deeply meaningful to us. We have ways that we understand the gods and filters that we've, we've built to help us explain spirit. But we also understand that there's an entire joint human endeavor that looks at the world and explores the world and makes observations and we can share those observations and validate them for each other. So that's really what science is. And as science moves forward, sometimes the the thoughts that we have about spirit change with that. So we might base a symbol or an understanding on a scientific principle that then changes, that we then um, look at and say, you know, that's going to affect the way that symbol moves. So I think that spirit and science can work very much hand in hand, and they communicate with each other. But one of the things my specific tradition does is to listen to science and let science help us shape our, our symbols, shape our understanding of how they work in the world. And then we understand that the symbols represent something that's eternal and that's powerful, that is beyond what science can measure at this time. So how does theurgy relate to power? Theurgy is a specific way to get at the power of deity. And the thing that theurgy wants is um, to, to create transformation in the individual. It's very much a spiritual tradition. There's some practical magic to it. I, I don't mean to say that there isn't, but it's, it's a, definitely it's one level. The level of the spirit is really the level that theurgy excels at. So getting to connect the person to a deity so the deity can interact with you and to help you to um, grow as a person, to grow spiritually, and to reach into the realm of the gods itself. So during these troubled times, a world that's going (laughs) wild around us, how do you see applying that? You know, one of the things that happened as the um, the election happened and the world became um, very difficult for many of us to navigate, I turned back to the tradition. I turned back specifically to a spirit called Lady Philosophy. She had come to one of the great philosophers, his name was Boethius, and he was imprisoned. He had been a great man. He had, he had achieved the heights of, of uh, accomplishment in his culture. His emperor listened to him and he wrote things and people listened to him. And then enemies told slanders about him and had him imprisoned. So he had lost everything. He wasn't with his wife anymore. He wasn't respected anymore. And he turned to Lady Philosophy, who came to him in his cell, his prison cell, and offered him a vision of the real place of the human spirit in the cosmos, that we are all stars, that we all come from the universe and return to the universe. And that was very comforting to him. And I found it very comforting to myself, too, as I, as I looked at this and contemplated it. It helps us to understand, to ground us in the fact that we are spiritual beings, that we are always powerful, and that that transcends any, any fortune that might happen to us. So what does love have to do with it? Love is what impels us to reach for the stars, to reach for spirit. Love is the way that we connect to each other. Love is the way that we connect to, to spirit. It's what drives us. Um, and and it's the most, it's the force that holds the universe together. Something I love about this tradition is that there is a sense of love in it. And in, in particular, it's the women in the tradition who have held on to this understanding. The priestess Diotima taught Plato about love. And women in the tradition have always written about love and about how it connects us to each other and how it connects us to the world of spirit. So love is more of a universal unifying force. Is that is that what you're saying there? It is. In in this tradition, of course, there's always love, the love of a person for another person, the love of a, a parent, a guardian for children, you know, the, the love that we have for our pets and for the places that we live. All those are important aspects of love, and they, they help us to, to connect with that great power. Love in the tradition means this gigantic, this, this sense of overwhelming love, that the gods have love for us and reach for us, 
and call to us, even as we reach for them and respond to that love with our own love. And that's the thing that connects us. So it's kind of a word for the connection of ourselves to spirit. So can theogy be misused? Anything that carries power, you always have to ask that question. That's um, that's a really interesting question too, and I hadn't really thought about it. Um, I have I have um, studied the lives of the philosophers. That's the the book talks about the the saints, the teachers of theurgy, and they were genuinely good people, um, people that that were respected in their own times. But they also had flaws, and I think um, we might point to some flaws in the tradition. Of course, any tradition that's created by humans has human prejudices. So while women are included, they aren't necessarily always thought of as fully fully um, involved or fully developed people. Um, and the same thing is true for the culture in which theurgy was created. The people who were Neoplatonic philosophers kept slaves, and so it's important for us to understand that. And I think maybe if there's one tendency in theurgy that we we want to try to counter, it's this idea that um, the body is less important than the spirit, that um, spirit is where we need to put our time. I think the best part of theurgy is when we understand that body is an expression of the spirit and that our lives are uh, are lived to help us connect to spirit and our bodies and the world are sacred and they're the way we as sacred people connect to sacred spirit. So I the guess, magic itself... Go ahead. Yep. I, guess, I guess one thing I'd like to look at is this is an ancient form created by ancient humans. We are mm-hmm. modern humans moving into a new time. What's the value of going back to old archetypes? Why can't we engage in new ones? You certainly can. We certainly can. And I think one of the things that I love about theurgy is that it is this urban tradition. So when, as we, as pagans, as we reconstruct the traditions of our ancestors, they're often rooted in place. And we're not in those same places. I come from Czech heritage, so I visited the the homeland, but I don't really have a sense of connection. I'm here in America. I live in a city that's far from where I was born. So we have a different way of looking at the world. And the tradition of theurgy grew up in this place where people came together from different parts of the world into a city and traded information just in the way that we live today. So I think that's one of the things that's very helpful. It teaches us that we can connect to spirit even when we don't connect through the land of our ancestors. We can connect through the understanding of how those individual gods, those individual prisms work to connect us to spirit. So if we're connecting to these spirits and getting information from them, how can you tell who you're talking to? That is a question that theurgy has a very serious answer to. You learn about the deities, and it's one of the reasons that you do the learning. Each deity, each spirit has specific aspects. So you can connect to um, powerful deity forces and to their their um, spirits. They're, they're called daimons. And you can also connect to daimons who are going to try to mislead you, try to represent themselves as something that they're not. So part of the tradition is learning how to distinguish who the real spirits are. And that's a very important part of the tradition that keeps us grounded because it's really happening in our imaginations, in our visualizations. So we have to be able to distinguish real visions from what are fantasies. How many deities are there? There are, I think of the Hindu response that there are millions of deities. There are as many deities as human beings. So I think that, that um, that's one answer. There are as many deities as cultures find necessary to connect us to spirit. Um, in the specific theurgic tradition, there were the 12 Olympians that make this sort of base set of how you, res- how you can connect to deity. But I think every culture has sort of a base set of its own. Every, every pagan culture that I've studied has their, their specific, you know, here's, here's the basic set you can connect to. Got it. Okay, so, we're, going, yeah. we're going to have to take a commercial break. Brandy and I will be back shortly, so don't you leave us now. This is The Science of Magic, www.thescienceofmagic.net, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're in this together. Your thoughts are very important. If you have any comments or topics of interest to suggest, please email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, folks. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. 
Our guest this hour is Brandy Williams, the author of numerous books on magic, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy, we've talked about how there's as many deities as there are, you know, things you can shake a stick at. Can you, do you have to stick with one tradition um, of the, you know, deities, or can you just grab one from here and one from there? I have two answers to that, and um, they're yes and no. So, um, yes, you can mix traditions. It's something that happened in Alexandria, the Greek and Egyptian traditions mixed, and also traditions from the rest of the known world. People brought their own deities, and each of the philosophers kind of had their own set and really reached out to other cultures than their own to understand deity. So that's a yes. You, You can definitely do that. I also think it's important. I was talking about how each culture has its specific set, its its um, base set of deities. And it's important to work one of those basic sets, whatever culture that you, you choose, to make sure you're getting all of the, the aspects of spirit. So I recently did a year of theurgic practice where I did a devotional each month to the 12 Olympian deities. And it confronted me with things that I hadn't really dealt with before. I gravitated to the goddesses, but the gods were much more challenging for me, particularly Zeus, the great all-father. As a feminist woman, that was something that I had, a, I had not really done before. So I think it's very important to, to see a culture as a whole and to work a whole set. But it's also important to know that you're in charge and you can, you can connect to the deities that call to you. Our guest this hour is Brandy Williams, the author of numerous books on magic, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy's website is brandywilliams.org. I like the point you made, Brandy, about having a full set, if you will, so that we aren't excluding some aspect because we have issues around it. Is that what you were talking about exactly? Yeah, that's part of it, definitely. And also, any one deity only gives you one way of looking at spirit. If you look at deity through different lenses, that gets you different perspectives, and it can help to round your understanding. You might also find, as you work with other deities, that there were parts of your life that you had neglected that deity then brings into focus. So... What are they? I mean, we, we've talked about almost an hour here about these gods and goddesses and how they're all from different um, traditions and this and that and the next thing. Are they real or are they just constructs? I mean, um, they've been around for a long time, but do they shift? What are they? I love that question, and I love the way that we're exploring this deeply here. I think that they are both constructs. We have an understanding of them that we build, and they're also real. And they do definitely shift over time. If you study any deity in its lifespan, you can see that they might start in one place. Apollo was a mouse god and became the god of the sun. Um, And one of the ways that deities shift is as people move into working with that deity. So the Greek deities shifted when they moved to Rome and were worshipped by a different, whole different set of people. Um, So they adapt, the the constructs adapt to the people who are working with them. And, but each of them also has a a power that we connect through. So they have a reality that, that transcends all the individual aspects or cultures. So listening to you now, it sounds like you're saying that we've created these deities and they shift as we do. To some extent. And then I also talked about how deity presents to people. um, And so there's a sense that there's a real thing happening that might um, just just break into your life. The Greeks certainly had that understanding, love, love. Eros, in particular, erotic love, could burst into your life and really change it. And I I think that many, many people have had this experience of love bursting into our lives and then really transforming what what happens to us. So there's there's definitely a reality, and definitely the the deities speak to us at times, um, even in ways that we did not expect. So now let's talk a little bit about the shadow use of deities. Um, and, and the love deity is a good one. Sometimes they can be used to manipulate <laughs> love out of another person by casting a sort of an enchantment. Where do you stand on permission in the practice of theurgy? 
Boy, I sure am about permission. I, I think it's very important to uh, to respect every person, to respect the, the sovereignty of every human being. So I think it's very important to have permission to do magic for anyone. Healing is a good example. I do a lot of healing work. People reach out to me, and I always make sure that I get their permission. I read Facebook and hear that someone is ill, and I say, may I remember you in circle? So I always make sure to get that explicit permission before I move that energy. That's a very good example. The love spell example is a very good example of how to how to turn magic to something that is darker. And I definitely stand for uh, ethical magic and for um, for for asking what people need and then trying to give that to them instead of imposing what we need on them. Would you mind describing a method used to connect with the deities? Could you kind of describe it for us to give us a more nuts and bolts idea of what we're doing here? Sure, I can describe one of the practices that I did. I talked about doing a year of theurgic practice where I worked with each of the Olympian deities. I got a set of statues that's matched that are the 12 Olympian deities. So each month I took one of those statues and put it on an altar and I put a set of things that related to the deity like um, stones and plants and colors. I lit incense and each deity has incense. And then I would read the Orphic hymn to the deity in front of the deity and then ask the deity to reveal to me how that deity works in the world to walk around and look at trees and look at the sky and look at people around me and see how I see that deity reflected. And so the practice was working through the world, walking through the world, connecting with that spirit, and then coming back at the end of the month and doing the hymn again, and then asking the deity to come and inhabit me, to to invoke the deity into myself, to have a sense of communion with that deity. And that's the theurgic, the specific theurgic part that in invoking into yourself. So that sounds like it dances pretty close to idolatry. What's the difference? Gosh, idolatry is kind of a, a term that... Um, that that comes from other traditions. It might be a, a term that, that people would use as an outsider term. Certainly, um, one of the differences between pagan religion and, and Christian religion did center around the idea of using statues. And it's one of the things that's returning to the pagan tradition using the use of, of representations. So there are some religious traditions that reject representation, and this tradition really embraces it. But we also understand that the statue is not the deity, the statue is an offering I make to deity. It's called an algalma. So it's a, I, I say, um, deity, I offer this statue of you to you as a token of my love for you. I think that's what keeps it from being idolatry, um, sort of in the, in the technical sense. We have a few minutes left here. And one thing I'd like to address is we have some pretty interesting relationships to gods and goddesses that we've created in our modern world, like the god of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How are we being controlled and exploited by the systems through these concepts? Well, that's a very important point. And I think there's this idea in America of secular religion. So you get uh, images that are like um, the like the the way deities have worked in the past, um, like the late, like the deity of money or the deity of the internet. My favorite right now is Lady Liberty. We have this wonderful image of the Statue of Liberty, um, Liberty embracing the world, right? Um, and that that image is something that helps to center our identity, our national identity. And it's a woman holding a torch and calling for freedom throughout the world. So you. you you talked about a negative aspect, the deity of money, but I also like to see the positive aspects. And Lady Liberty is one that has been close to my heart and, and uh, keeping my attention recently in these times. It's Got important. It. Each of us, each of us is Lady Liberty, right? We, we all carry her torch. So we're just about out of time, but have you always been a pagan? Were you ever part of organized or are you still part of organized religion like Christianity? Um, some of my, yeah, I, I was, I, re, I was raised Catholic. I converted to paganism as a teenager. Um, and some of my religions are disorganized and some are pretty structured. So I, uh, I, I belong to Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica, which is a, um, an occult church. It's a church of the OTO. So some people find that a little too organized for their, their tastes. Uh, but I've been pagan since I was a kid. So why, what caused you to convert? What, what created that? 
I lost my 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 Christian faith as as a child. It didn't speak to me, and I walked around in the world, looking at the world and asking this this heartfelt child's question: What is it that is real? And I looked at the sun and I said. That's a real thing. The sun is a real thing. You could worship that. And then I discovered that I, I was not the first person who had that thought. So that was really my, my convergent experience. I, I am a solarist. I love the sun, and I love how, um, how the sun illuminates the world. Well, this has been very, very interesting. I can't thank you enough for being on our program. And um, if people want to find your book, it's on your website, brandywilliams.org. And where else is it in the... Um, Barnes and Noble and all that fun stuff. Our guest this hour has been Brandy Williams, the author of numerous books on magic, including her latest, For the Love of the Gods. Brandy's website, brandywilliams.org. This has been The Science of Magic. For in-depth exploration of leading-edge subjects from numerous authorities and viewpoints, join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Love to hear from you. Comments, questions, or suggestions, email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you explore the one and all. <laughs>